You're tuned in to Nerd Overload, your weekly show for video games, movies, TV shows, comics, tech news, and more. Now your hosts, Cody Pinnock, Samantha Cross, Sam Dunham, and Josh Harrison. Hey, welcome to Nerd Overload, your favorite pop and geek culture show where you'll laugh your banana off. I'm Sam. I'm Josh. I'm Cody. We have a great show for you this week. Arguably one of the best shows, I would I would say, uh, we've had in a while. Unless this first half goes real south. Unless it goes... But we'll try not to. We're going to try real hard not to, <laughs> not to let it go south. The reason why is because the second half of the show, instead of having our normal news segment, we have an extended interview with Lloyd Kaufman, the uh, co-founder of Troma Entertainment, director of... Toxic Avenger, Sergeant Kabuki Man, NYPD, and most recently, Return to Return to Nukem High, as he will tell you. But uh, but before we get into the real meat of the show, let's spend about 20 minutes talking about what we've been checking out. <laughs> if you're missing the news segment, here's a, a summary of the news that's happened this week. Nothing. Not really it anything. It's not really anything. Yeah. So, so this it, kind it, of worked out perfectly. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, what have you guys been checking out? Although there was that really cool Metroid 3DS. That, have you seen, oh, did I did you see, see that? that. That was very cool. Oh, I yeah. didn't see that. Yeah. Oh, there's there's a Metroid themed 3DS, and it's out. very cool. Yeah. Did you did you lose your did you lose your morph ball about it? Yeah. And I you... really don't want to have. I don't want to buy another 3DS, <laughs> but it is really cool. Yeah. I really like my Galaxy One. It looks real nice sitting on my coffee table, and I haven't played it in months. That's yeah. That's kind of how it goes. Yeah, I haven't really touched mine at all either. Yeah. I played that like the first world of that new Pikmin game, and then that's it. Yeah, I almost picked up Metopia, but then I remembered I didn't really play much of Tomodachi Life. <laughs> it looks like it has more going on yeah, than Tomodachi Life. At yeah. least you mean there's that an actual game to it? Yeah, <laughs> I've I've watched some streams of it, and it looks pretty fun. But yeah. I haven't taken the leap yet. <laughs> uh, well, if you guys don't have anything to jump into right away, I have something real quick. The other day, I went up to uh, Cleveland and saw the Mystery Science Theater oh, yeah, live show. That? Excellent. It was a Mystery Science Theater episode. Like, they had the convention exchange. They um, The set was set up really neat. They had the, um, like, it looked like a, a makeshift version of the ship with uh, projected, like, it was all like on mats, and they projected out like the the texture of the ship and everything. Oh, cool! And uh, they had the big screen behind them, and they uh, um, had pre-recorded segments with Felicia Day and Patton Oswalt's characters. Uh, and they had like the the interstitial segments. They had interstitial segments like commercial breaks and stuff, and were able to time like like they were talking to the Mads down on Earth. Like, oh, cool! Yeah, it was really neat. And um, they did Ega, one of my favorite bad movies the teenage caveman <laughs> and uh <laughs> and they uh it was a good mix of old riffs original riffs from because it was a movie that joel had done like season three or four of the season yeah of the it's, series it's a classic, it's, almost, it's a classic episode but they added a bunch of new clips like jokes and riffs as well one of the running uh riffs from it was one from this new season where whenever they saw a gun they just saw it went bang <laughs> over and over <laughs> like that they said that like about 20 times during yeah it was it was great one had me rolling i almost fell out of my chair laughing there's a there's a shot there's a scene where nothing happens the whole movie nothing happens in this movie the whole movie is a, is a um an excuse for the director to have his son play guitar on a film to try to get his son a uh, music career that's and that's truth. That's that. That's the truth. Uh, but no, there's one scene where they they're at a pool 
and they're you know he's playing his guitar and his girlfriend's in the pool and she like is swimming up and around like a um, a pool slide with like the water running down it and everything and she like gets close to the water and doesn't and one of the guys just goes <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it came out of nowhere and like just oh man yeah it was it was perfect it was absolutely perfect but uh but no the whole thing was a lot of fun it lasted about two hours and uh joel was there uh introduced really? everything got the the crowd nice. warmed up and did you um, do magic uh, he didn't do magic but no um he had he had like a, a Q and A with the audience, but uh, pretty sure that they were plants because the questions oh. were too good. Yeah, mm. they were too good and too like funny. Q and A's mm. can get really crappy. I've seen some real bad ones. Oh yeah, they can get real the bad. Questions so. are just like why, why did you ask that? <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I'm okay with it being part of the act. Is the Q and A part coming out and talking about the yeah. the thing? Um. So, but yeah, Joel or not Joel? Um. Yeah. Well, Joel was there, but also uh, Jonah Hampton Yout was there as Crow, and then they had a different guy as Servo. Did they try to explain it? No. No? <laughs> no, they didn't even explain it. Okay. And they also had Cynthia, the uh, clone of Pearl, Pearl Forrester, and one of the uh, the rabbit henchman guard guys. The boneheads. Yeah. One of the boneheads. Uh, he wanted to be called Jerry. <laughs> yeah. And they were all there, and it was it was Yay. great. It was just like an episode of the new season of Mystery Science Theater, and uh, just an absolute blast. I still need to watch like the last two. Yeah, I still have a couple left to go on it as well. I have the Christmas episode and then the final episode. Yeah, I think, we're, I think we're at the exact same mm-hmm. place. Yeah, uh, did that. Also uh, walked around Cleveland a little bit. Uh, got a burger at one of those like gastro pub like fancy nice fancy burger places. Uh, had a burger with um, uh, maple glazed bacon and peanut butter on it sounds pretty good it was surprisingly delicious like the crispiness it was like a um the burger was well done so it was like the burntness of the burger meshed like really well with the sweetness of the peanut butter and hmm. the and the bacon oh man it was like yeah, super that good sounds good yeah i don't think it sounds good but that's just me yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean I, i've i've given my shot on like maple shakes and bacon shakes and went i'm like no yeah thanks. not a maple boy <laughs> no, no, I'm not Canadian enough for that. <laughs> oh, what have I checked out? I watched the new Rick and Morty. I don't want to turn this into weekly Rick and Morty updates, <laughs> but it's so hard because it because it's it's. I uh, hated it. Yeah. I hate I hated it. Really? I, well, like when I first watched it, I'm like that was all right, but it's one of those things. Like over time, the more I thought about it, mm-hmm. the more I hated that episode. Is the pickle Rick one? Yeah, which. It was. It mostly just turned into overly long, overly violent fight scenes without any jokes in them. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, that fight was pretty brutal. And like fighting rats. Yeah. Well, and then he fought all those security guys at that weird. It's like embassy or whatever that was. These these aren't jokes. It's just a fight scene, and it's not animated well enough to like stand on its own to be a cool fight Mm -hmm. scene. Write a joke. It's the it's the chicken fights in Family Guy. It's the same thing. It's the same concept. Yeah, just way more graphic. Yeah. <sighs> oh man. And and Pickle Rick felt like a stretch and felt like something to put on a T-shirt at Hot Topic. Well, guess what? It's on a T-shirt on Adulter.com. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was good stuff in there. A lot of the stuff with uh, uh, the the family going to therapy was pretty funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like it wasn't a total loss, but like the main, f- the B plot was good and the A plot was garbage. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. 
I like Rick and Morty. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still mean, haven't gotten caught. I don't have anything to add to it. I haven't gotten caught I up mean, on I it, I mean, I like it, too, but I don't know if it may, that makes me extra hard on it or... Yeah. Because it, when it's good, it's like the best show on TV, mm-hmm. and then when it's bad, it's basically Family Guy. Yeah. And I hate Family Guy. <laughs> <laughs> eh. I don't know if I like comparing it to Family Guy, because I, I, too, am a, a strong disliking of Family Guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, when Family Guy first came out... I was kind of into it. I was like, it was okay. good. It was a good show for the first couple seasons. And now, and now I watch like later seasons. And I'm just like, it pet cemetery. It came back, but it was wrong. It came back wrong. Yeah, I'm like, eh. like, even even some of the early comeback episodes were all right. I don't know when Seth MacFarlane stopped caring. Yeah, it got bad. Yeah, I don't know. I still want to watch his sci-fi show though. Oh yeah, that, no, looks, that looks good. really good. I'll definitely give that because he cares about it right now. <laughs> Once he stops caring, it'll get bad. I mean, again. it's on Fox. Yeah. It'll get one season. Well, that too. Yeah, yeah. or a partial season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The way TV is now, it'll get three episodes, and because it wasn't the hottest show of all time, it'll get canceled. Yeah, it'll get almost human or Zorned. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm still mad about. Zorn I am too. They ended it on a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. All the good ones end on a cliffhanger. Yeah. Yeah. Same with uh, Last Man on Earth. Yeah. Yeah, which I'm assuming is canceled. I don't know. If I haven't heard anything, anything about it, so yeah, I have no idea. But it, yeah, no news in TV land is basically dead yeah. news. Yeah, it ended on a cliffhanger that was promising more Kristen Wiig in the next season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't watched the shows. So I really can't comment on that one. No, it's it's a really great show. It is it's absolutely great. Really can't think of anything else I've done. It's, it's been a pretty unassuming week. <laughs> I actually I rented a movie. Rented. Yeah, I redboxed a movie. Ooh. Just on a whim. What movie was that? The Ghost in the Shell movie with Scarlett Johansson. Oh, boy. I want to see it, but I don't have high expectations. It actually surprised me a little bit. Was it not bad? Or is that too much? Is that too much praise? Was it not a burning trash pile? <laughs> it was not a burning trash pile. Cool. Like, being a fan of, like, the original movie and, like, uh, Standalone Complex and everything, there are definitely where they took iconic scenes and like plucked them up and put them right in the movie they they stole the good stuff because they didn't have any good ideas themselves. well the movie the movie <laughs> the movie combines a lot of things like it's basically the original movie with some stuff added from standalone complex like they they get a lot into like the whole thing of putting like a human mind in a cybernetic body and like the ramifications of that like when do you like stop being a person and more of a machine mm-hmm. kind of thing it's like what the RoboCop reboot did. Kind of, yeah. Except this was a little a little better. A little better than... I mean, there are parts of the RoboCop remake that are all right, but most of that movie is just bleh. But uh, I'm trying to think. There's definitely a part like in the very beginning of the movie where you get, where they still have some of like, that kind of digital modification to Scarlett Johansson's face to make her look more Asian. Oh, no. Yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't last long, but I'm sitting there and I'm like, there's like a big close-up of her eyes and I'm like... Mm. <laughs> that doesn't look right. I see what you did there, and it's <laughs> not. That's not good. <laughs> uh, but the movie's actually surprisingly okay. Good. I wanted to give it the benefit of the doubt for some reason. I just because I like Ghost in the Shell for for being an American remake of a Japanese classic, which it seems like we're only going to get more of over time. Yeah. yeah. They've mined all the American comics, so <laughs> they got to go for the Japanese ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. Oh, that reminds me. I've been watching Death Note. 
the original oh. Death Note. Yeah, how is that? It's good, and it and the American one's gonna be so bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw the complete box set at Walmart. I was like, I keep looking at it. I'm like, mm, man, I've watched about a third of the series. I need to finish it at some point. It's so like I don't know how to describe it. With like, I want to say intellectual, but it's not that. It's still pretty dumb, but. It's just kind of like the the big chess game that the two characters are playing the whole time, and it's not like an actiony thing, which is what the American version is looking like. But it's it's these two dudes trying to stay one move ahead of each other the whole time. Like well, mm-hmm. one doesn't know the other one is who they are. Yeah, kind of thing. I thought, what was the? I'm trying to remember. The and line. one of them has a magic notebook that kills people. Yeah, <laughs> only if you have their true name though. Yeah. Because that's why that's why Light can't kill L because he doesn't have L's real name. And L's kind of like this eccentric Sherlock Holmesian teen detective <laughs> with a uh, addiction to sugar. Yeah, mm. <laughs> and he's, he and sitting on chairs weird. Yeah, he sits on chairs weird. And also, the anime likes to show a lot of weird close-ups of his feet that I don't care for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm trying to think. Where did I leave off when I watched that series? It's after Light kind of lost his memory or whatever. Well, you're farther than me because I don't know. Well, it wasn't much like he's working with with L and the police. Yeah, trying to solve the murders because his dad is the head of the investigation mm. on yeah. yeah him on yeah. on Kira. Which I can't believe they still called him Kira in the American yeah. I can't figure that too. out. That's gonna be yeah, weird. That's that's <laughs> dumb. Yeah, yeah. But uh, more like into the Ghost in the Shell movie. Like, the original movie kind of did a good job, sort of, of, like, it involved the greater cast. Like, you know, the different the different people at Section 9. Mm-hmm. The American movie really doesn't, like, at all. Ugh, they just kind of appear. Yeah, like, you get, like, two seconds of them here and there. Like, you, uh, it mostly focuses on Major, Bato. And, like, the, I forget, the, the, it's not the Laughing Man, that's Standalone Complex. No, they don't even call him Puppet Master in this. Oh yeah, it's Puppet Master. Yeah, they don't even call him Puppet Master. He's he is the Puppet Master, but they don't call him that. Do they go out and like go out of their way to explain a bunch of stuff that they don't explain in the original? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I felt because they don't explain a whole lot in the original movie at all. Like the concept of what a ghost is, they don't really touch on that hardly at all. They, they really kind don't, of they really don't do that either. They basically just say how your ghost your ghost is like basically your soul yeah. that can exist within the internet. Which they don't really, they don't really say explain it at all in the anime version. Like you just kind of are left to put that together yourself. Which I'm is, sure a lot of that was more of a things that are explained better in the original manga, the original story. Yeah. Now, I don't know. I I, I I like that about the original movie. Like it respects my intelligence enough to be able to put together what ghosts means. Yeah, <laughs> that and it's like a living. Like, it's a living world that you don't need all the information in front of you to... They're just talking about things that are common knowledge to them and not yeah. necessarily to you. Mm. I know, like, some of the other characters, they kind of, they kind of float in and out. And then there's, a, you know, Aramaki, the head of Section 9. I think they just got a Japanese actor who just can't speak English because he speaks Japanese the entire movie. Huh. He's the only character who does. Is he an older guy? Yeah. That's Beat Takeshi. Yeah. That's the guy from... Um... Battle oh. Royale and uh, the guy who hates video games. Oh, yeah. yeah. From Takeshi's, Takeshi's Challenge. Challenge. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah and he, he does speak English, but not well. So, and yeah. It's and a, he didn't. <laughs> it's not worth it for this movie. No. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, and there's a lot of weird things where like like when the major's like doing stuff or she's like where she does like a dive into like this other robot or whatever and there's this thing where, where she has to, she has to give her consent for things. It's huh. like a running it's like a running thing to the whole movie. I don't know if it's trying to be like a like an allegory maybe, I don't know. I don't know. It's this it's it, it kind of stood out to me weird, but maybe it's just cuz you know, I've watched the original movie so many times and the series so many times. What was the soundtrack like? Is it anywhere near like the weird cool soundtrack that the anime original movie has? Eh, it comes in and out. Like the hyper abundance of CGI in the movie is ridiculous. <laughs> like their like their version of their future Japanese metropolis is like it's like they took Blade Runner and just kind of threw threw up neon light all over it. <laughs> like it's it's bad. Like everything is a projected hologram like in the skyline. Oh jeez. For like ads and buildings and things and weirdness. I don't know. I I mean like the movie's not awful. I'm not. I'm not going to say the movie is the worst thing I've ever seen. It's not. It's not also. You know, I'm not going to say it's like a glowing. You know. Oh man, this movie is actually. I mean, I was entertained. I guess. What more can you ask? Yeah, for? I mean. Yeah, I, w- I was entertained. Yeah. I don't. I don't begrudge the two dollars I spent to rent the Blu-ray. <laughs> so that's the the review. It's worth two dollars. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh yeah, that was something else weird. Like it weirded me out. Like through the the whole movie. Like. When they say her name, they don't call her Motoko Kusanagi. They just call her the major. No, no, the, no. They call her major. Um, it starts with an M, but it's not a Japanese name. Hmm. But it's explained later why. Okay. Um, That's weird. They just yeah. kinda it made actually that makes up. sense, uh-huh. and it actually it definitely fixes the whole whitewashing problem. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's yeah. an excuse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was at least an attempt. I should say. I'm not going to say it, it. It erases all their sins. You know, they don't get. The, you know, the... <laughs> they should still feel bad for their words and deeds. Yes, they should definitely. You know, say <laughs> ten Hail Marys and all that whatnot. <laughs> like I said, it's it's worth a watch, especially if you're a fan of the original content. Cool. Then I will probably watch it then, because I've I've been I've kind of wanted to, but. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I'll give it a shot for two dollars. Yeah, oh, why yeah, not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, why not? Um, now the... we sound like an ad for Redbox. <laughs> yeah, God. Yeah. <laughs> You know, other than getting physical, you know, versions of films from Netflix, it's really hard. You can't really just rent movies really anymore. Not really. Not really. It's not, not like you can go to Blockbuster. Oh, man. Have you seen that Twitter called The Last Blockbuster? Yes. <laughs> it's yes. so funny. That is. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it, 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 it's an all right movie. Um, with the blending of, like, the series and the movie, I wish there would have been at least a Tachikoma. Yeah. That, w- that I, would be cool. I thought they were in there, but I guess not. not. No, they're <laughs> only in the series. But yeah, I really okay. like the Toshkomas, the sentient spider robots. Yeah, AI mm. tank things. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, hey, let's go ahead and take a break here. And when we come back, we have our very special extended inter- half hour <laughs> long interview with Lloyd Kaufman of Troma Entertainment. Stick around.
Hey, we're back. That was Hard Times by Paramore. There was no tie for playing no. that. We just that's wanted just, a song to play. It's that's a good song. just my number one summer jam of this year. Well, there we go. Perfect. <laughs> so uh, we just wanted to intro this interview real quick. We're going to jump right into it. So without further ado, here is our interview with Lloyd Kaufman. You're based in where in Ohio? Uh, Central Ohio, uh, about an hour north of Columbus. Oh, terrific. Great. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, tell your local movie theater to uh, book... Uh, to book Return to Return to Newcomb High, and maybe I can uh, join you there. I go to California once a month, but so between New York and California, I can uh, come down. Oh yeah, yeah I can absolutely. Land in Columbus. Yeah, absolutely. I will. Uh, I actually uh, have a You've couple of the, contacts the with Bex- uh, Bex- Bexley Theater. I think. Uh, yeah, Bexley. Remote. Okay, yeah, that's that's about uh, it's about a half hour, forty five minutes from where I'm at. So that's that's great. Yeah, I will. Uh, I'll uh, I'll get in touch with them for sure. Yeah, uh, if you can let all those theater, you know, any of the uh, theaters that might. You know where you you and your friends might uh, go uh, to let them know you'd like to see uh, return to return to Newcomb High, uh, aka Volume Two. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, definitely. I will love. I will definitely let them know. If the theaters know that the fans are interested, they'll book it because our movies make money. But if we call them, they don't bother with us because usually we just have one movie a year that might be, you know, they might have a prominent enough director or star to merit being shown on the big screen right this is one of them but since we're not a big supplier they never call us back yeah i'm not saying just the bexley but nobody calls us back they just they don't want to bother with us but if they hear the fans want to film they'll they'll uh, they want to make money and they want to sell uh, twizzlers yeah Yeah. uh, you know tell your peeps to uh, ask for return to return to newcomb high and the theaters usually listen will do i will definitely do that all right first the first half of the movie played in about 300 theaters around the country, and this is the second half of that same movie. But since uh, your theaters haven't played it, uh, it would be interesting to play the two halves. Right, and this is the uh, you kickstarted this one, correct? Some of it, yeah. Some we ran it. out of money, uh, and uh, the, uh, we had a, a period where no revenue came in, so the fans filled it up for us, and and then money came in, so we could, you know, we could, the fans put up about 20 percent of the. Uh, money oh wow that's that's really excellent you know we're like this conversation is great we might as well just go ahead and jump right into the sure, the interview sure, here correct. um today i'm speaking with lloyd kaufman co-founder of troma entertainment and director of such films as the toxic <laughs> avenger sergeant kabuki man nypd troma's war tromeo and juliet and just a absolute laundry list of other great independent films lloyd thank you very much for uh, taking a few minutes out of your time to to talk with us today well thank you sam Hey, no problem. Hey, uh, since we were talking about uh, Return to Return to Newcomb High, do you see Kickstarter as kind of a good platform for independent filmmaking in today's market? Well, certainly Kickstarter and Patreon and mm-hmm. Indiegogo and uh, all the, uh, the peer-to-peer self-fundings uh, are wonderful. And that leads me to a major trauma cause right now, Sam, which is preserve net neutrality because all the innovation we've had, all the wonderful inventions – Everything from Netflix to the grasshopper vape uh, have all been a result of the free, open, and diverse Internet, which means uh, net neutrality, i.e. the, 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 the uh, same level Internet for everybody, the same speed, the same quality of Internet for everybody. And um, this is uh, what has led to all the great innovation of the past uh, 15 years. So I think it's extremely important for your listeners to instruct, not tell them, but instruct your uh, local uh, 
elected officials in Washington to uh, preserve net neutrality uh, or uh, you're not going to vote for them. And believe me, they're feeding themselves at the public trough, all of them. They all have the best health plans. They have the best pension plans. They get raises every year. They are the royalty. They're the Roman Senate. So they don't want to get kicked out because most of them are 80 years old and they're white and they're useless and they don't want to get kicked out. So if the audience and the voters tell them to preserve net neutrality, they'll make goddamn sure they do. Because right now, uh, Ajit Pai, Ajit Pai of the uh, FCC, Federal Communications Committee, uh, com Commission, has dedicated himself to getting rid of net neutrality. You know, he's a hack. Mm -hmm. He's a hack uh, pimp for the big uh, media companies. And his uh, Ajit Pai, his last name is Pai, but he's a shit pie. Uh, it's, uh, it's not spelled P-I-E, by the way. It's spelled, I think, P-A-I or some half-assed way. So get get this guy, tell this guy. Uh, uh, and we've been very active in Net Neutrality Day, which was uh, last week. And, and uh, Troma has been an advocate for uh, net neutrality for at least 10 years. And uh, it has been threatened for at least 10 years. Uh, I was chairman of the Independent Film and Television Alliance, the Independent Film and Television Alliance is the trade association for the independent movie industry. And uh, when I was ch elected chairman, uh, I decided instead of cocktail parties, we'd go to Washington and use our treasury to uh, fuck up the Comcast, the Comcast merger with NBC Universal, mm -hmm. uh, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And um, and Al Franken and we and uh, Maxine Waters and others uh, called the head of Comcast a liar because he was a liar. They were throttling, uh, throttling and slowing down uh, even before the the, the, the uh, net neutrality issues. They were treating uh, illegally treating uh, independent uh, websites differently than Disney and the elite, and they were interfering even with the uh, with uh, 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 professors from institutions uh, from universities doing research. They were even slowing their work down. So um, we've got to keep vigilant, uh, we nerds, and make sure that net neutrality is, is uh, maintained or we'll have no more breakthroughs like Kickstarter, which has made the world a better place for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, as a as an independent uh, creator with this show and uh, the uh, small uh, radio station that we're on WZMO, um, we're very we're we're very much uh, in favor of uh, keeping everything on a level playing field because we're definitely not you know we're not the big guys we're the little guys and you have uh, to keep it on a level playing absolutely. field otherwise it becomes an ABC NBC CBS world there'll be no innovation they'll they you know they've already won pretty much because the independent film industry doesn't exist the word independent has been stolen troma is the only movie studio that is independent and has more than 10 years under its belt mm -hmm. the only real studio there are there are human beings who open and close uh, companies every other day but they're just little little pimps they don't even make movies yeah yeah well, uh, you know, I wanted to get into a little bit of uh, the independent fil uh, film side of Troma and uh, kind of the early days of the company and everything. I know you uh, started off working on on some larger films such as like uh, Rocky and and um, uh, Saturday Night Fever and things like that. What led you to breaking off from that and kind of going in a, a slightly different direction with Troma and uh, kind of what were the early days of Troma like? Uh, that's a great question. I'm a great uh, uh, identifier of, of talent. 
Uh, Trauma has uh, given birth to James Gunn, who recently wrote and directed Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 1 and 2. He wrote Tromeo and Juliet for Trauma and worked there for two years. Mm -hmm. Eli Roth, who brought you Hostel and is... Uh, directing has directed the new Death Wish, and uh, he um, he was discovered by Troma. He also did Hostel and Cabin Fever. Uh, the South Park Boys, uh, uh, they're now men, of course. Uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone made Cannibal the Musical for Troma, and uh, uh, and I'm in there. They're in my some of my movies, and I'm in some of their movies. And um, they're Samuel Jackson's first movie. Oliver Stone uh, got into movies because of me. Uh, so there is a huge history of, of talent. And when I got out of Yale, um, I, I, I didn't want to go to film school. I had enough school. And I identified John G. Avelson as a talented director. So I decided I would work for him. And then uh, because Avelson uh, and I ended up, we, we helped, uh, we uh, made Cry Uncle. Uh, I was a production manager on that movie and a partner on it. And um, Troma still distributes it. Cry Uncle is a brilliant early film by John G. Avelson. Um, I worked on Joe uh, by Norman Wexler, which Avelson made, which was Peter Boyle and Susan Sarandon's first movie. And it's a brilliant movie, $150,000 budget, and was nominated for an Academy Award with no stars and no director, famous directors. It uh, wouldn't happen today. But um, uh, when talent was in, in, in uh, 1970, if you were talented, you could get recognized by the uh, mainstream. Today, that does not happen. That doesn't mm-hmm. happen unless you're a, the only way it happens. Maybe is if the social warrior justices takes up your cause for the hundred percent wrong reason. So it's all fucked up now. Uh, and Avelson went on to do Rocky, and I worked on Rocky. A trauma set up uh, the, all the Philadelphia scenes, and mm-hmm. we produ- actually we line produced. Uh, all that stuff in Philadelphia with the stairs, Rocky running up and down the stairs, and Burgess and out uh, and Talia in the skating rink, and uh, the pet store, and all, all those Philadelphia uh, locations uh, were would not have happened without uh, Troma Entertainment because the producers of Rocky didn't want to uh, spend the money to come to Philadelphia with their union crew and all the uh, goods and chattels that come with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, Avelson convinced them and Stallone, the two of them uh, uh, like trauma and convinced them that we could do the job. And we spent eight days filming in Philadelphia with this Sylvester and uh, who was called Sly <laughs> and John Avelson and uh, Talia Burgess, the whole thing. And of course, uh, the best in the, the world, uh, uh, Joe, um, uh, Crap! Uh, the guy who played Gasso, Joe Spinell, mm-hmm. wonderful, wonderful actor who has a, we have one of his movies in our uh, library called uh, Last Horror Show. He was a great actor and a great guy. And uh, the, uh, so I had this film school with John Avelson, and then I, because Avelson got kicked off Saturday Night Fever, and I was uh, um, working with Avelson on that, uh, I decided to. Um, to stay with the show uh, after Avelson actually told me that I could probably learn something. Um, I stayed with the uh, Saturday Night Fever when that, when Badham came on, John John Badham, because I identified him. Uh, he made Bingo Long Traveling All-Stars, which was a brilliant television movie, and um, with black people, by the way. And um, uh, I thought it would be a great, uh, a great uh, education to work with him, and indeed it was. And... Uh, so that was my film school, Avelson and Batham. And those really were not 
big budget movies. They were shot pretty much the way that trauma shoots. Uh, you hose down the streets. You uh, you tie the director to the front of the car if you're doing a traveling shot. The actors drive the car. You don't have professional. You know, Sylvester Stallone drove his own car. Um, the Saturday Night Fever also was a basically a low budget movie. They had money. It was union as was Rocky, but um, um, thanks to uh, Troma and me, uh, they were able to uh, get away with a lot uh, without uh, you know sort of under the radar of the unions. That whole Philadelphia shoot was non-union, and oh, the wow. Teamsters, the Teamsters did catch us. And, and <laughs> after after eight days, the production went back to to Los Angeles. But all that great footage, all the most famous footage, was uh, filmed uh, already. Oh wow, wow! I had no idea. That's that's and Saturday great. Night yeah. Fever mm. also was a a low budget movie, um, uh, but it happened, but it wasn't a five hundred thousand dollar movie, but uh, which is what Troma does. But it was. Uh, you know, lower than most of the Sundance so-called independent movies made by the sons of Tom Hanks <laughs> and uh, the wives and uh, chattels of other uh, celebrities. Uh, those independent films at Sundance uh, tend to be, uh, you know, four to twelve million. And yeah. I think both Rocky, uh, Rocky was, I think, a million, mm -hmm. and uh, um, Saturday Night Fever, I, maybe three or four. I honestly, I don't know, but they were. They were, you know, my job was to basically make sure those movies were produced the way Troma does, where you don't pay for locations and all that kind of stuff. Mm, okay. And you mentioned uh, um, Sundance and uh, different, you know, so-called independent uh, film uh, festivals where these days it's like where at one point maybe they were more geared towards independent, but now it's more like subsidiaries of much larger <laughs> like uh production you know companies creating what they what they think an uh, independent film uh is and you've gone so far as to uh, create your own uh, film festival is it um is it trauma dance is that what it's called yes it's yes. the 18th uh, 18th year of the all free trauma dance trey mm -hmm. parker and matt stone were obsessed with sundance and um they uh uh, they uh, paid uh, the fee for Cannibal the Musical to be entered. We don't do that because we think it is outrageous for the film festival elite to be flying to Cannes Film Festival and uh, the the skiing one, uh, mm -hmm. the uh, the bullshit one with the skiing where everyone's so uh, it's so secret and uh, Telluride, right? Uh, mm -hmm. All this elite, uh, they're they're doing it on the backs of the uh, bankrupt, a uh, low budget young. Uh, filmmakers, right? Yeah. How yeah. are you supposed to make a movie and spend all this money applying? You barely have enough money to live, and and on top of that, make a movie and feed the uh, bourgeois uh, uh, bureaucracy of these giant film festivals. Fuck mm -hmm. that. But um, but uh, the uh, Trey and Matt paid that. They 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 uh, submitted Cannibal the Musical, and they didn't even get a fuck you letter back. Oh, wow. So they figured, well, we weren't told not to go to Sundance, so they went and they they hired a room or a, a conference room, and they had a one movie festival during Sundance, the Cannibal the Musical Festival, which was very very successful, and that gave me the idea to uh, to um, start Troma Dance. Also, the Sundance staff and the Sundance attitude was clearly, we hate independent art. That was their slogan. They didn't say it, but that was it. We hate independent artists. We hate anybody who's entrepreneurial. We hate anybody who's doing anything on their own. 
We are dick suckers, and that's what we want to be. And um, and the uh, meat jerky guy uh, was very upset with uh, with um, uh, Trey and Matt. And uh, the next year, when we started uh, Troma Dance, uh, the idea was you can submit your movies for free. You don't have to pay the submission fee. You can see the movies for free, and you don't have a VIP policy. You know, we don't want to. We don't give a shit who gets into a party or not. Who cares if 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 uh, if. Uh, uh, some uh, actor is fucking another actor, or Kim Kardashian two, took two healthy shits today. Who, nobody cares. Have have a good film festival with interesting films that change the world. Give people art for 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 art's sake, and uh, don't have a class system. There's no reason to have a class system. It's bullshit. Yeah. So we did that, and we did it as a stick in the eye to Redford. Um, uh, we we had the trauma dance for ten years. Told it's all free. Uh, we had some uh, some uh, uh, sponsors, and Troma obviously paid for most of it. But um, uh, it outgrew Sundance. It began to be taken seriously. Um, the second year we did this uh, Troma dance, the Sundance people had us arrested. Um, the, the cops uh, arrested two of our boys for uh, volunteers for um, uh, handing out leaflets because you're not allowed to hand out leaflets at Sundance unless you are a member of the master license, which is held by the Sundance Film Festival. So Park City has rules against solicitation. I assume that the solicitation in the, in the law there is about uh, hookers, <laughs> whores, but they, uh, they don't permit anybody to hand out leaflets. They have uh, some bulletin boards uh, where the HBO people put up giant, uh, they're paid to put up huge posters that cover up the whole bulletin board. The point is independent filmmakers are treated like shit at, uh, at, uh, at Sundance. And um, I, think they, I think because of Troma Dance uh, there for 10 or 11 years, and because of uh, derogatory newspaper coverage of Sundance, uh, one year the uh, Salt Lake City newspaper on opening day of Sundance, had a, a very positive article about trauma dance in which I was uh, speaking out vociferously against the uh, elitism of Sundance and the phoniness and hypocrisy of Sundance. And uh, that was on the homepage, that was on the uh, cover page of the entertainment section of the Salt Lake Weekly, uh, Salt Lake uh, City uh, newspaper. Mm -hmm. And, um, and uh, the trauma dance, I think, did have an influence because now uh, Sundance actually has a few genuinely independent movies, but they usually show them uh, at the end of the festival after the uh, most of the media has gone away. Okay, as I yeah. at least that's what I've perceived. Now mm -hmm. we moved Troma Dance. We moved Troma Dance Film Festival this year. It's in Manhattan. It's the 18th year. It's in Manhattan. It's got the best guests ever. It's got uh, Brian from Comic Book Men. It's got. Uh, 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 Dave Hill. It's got the Dave Hill entertaining. It's got uh, um, uh, the guy who uh, uh, Sam Roberts, who's got a very uh, does uh, that uh, radio morning show with. Uh, uh, I can't remember their names, but Gooby and Harry or somebody. Uh, <laughs> okay. It's very funny. It's a drive time, you know, national on mm -hmm. Sirius uh, Sirius XM. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a, a great panel this year. Great, great, great panel. The Museum of Modern Art people. Uh, um, a woman who, uh, the, the producer of, uh, of uh, Re the Resurrection, uh, which was the Sundance movie, oddly enough. Mm -hmm. um, also, you know, great panel, uh, great movies. You can go to traumadance.com 
uh, and uh, see the uh, the lineup of films. It's terrific. We've got, uh, and these are movies that Sam. These are movies that should be in festivals, but most of the mainstream festivals like Tribeca and uh, Sundance and Cannes and Toronto are are more interested in the red carpet uh, than they are in uh, the artists. Right. So we yeah. have movies that uh, Tribeca would be afraid to play. Right. <laughs> they'll, they'll play. Uh, they'll, they might play a similar movie that we're showing this year in two years when they feel that it's safe. Right, exactly. But they won't get it. They'll blow, (laughs) they'll, 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 they'll uh, select a far inferior film to the similar film that is in trauma dance. Well, sure. They like to keep it safe. You know, that's, that's just how they operate. Um, so, uh, actually a couple years ago, Oh, go ahead. by the way, those fuckers should know that the museum of modern art premiered Mm -hmm. return to Newcomb high, uh, in their Contender series, along with uh, Steven Spielberg's le- uh, recent film, uh, the uh, Coen Brothers, mm-hmm. Martin Scorsese, Sofia Coppola, the, the the boring French film that won the uh, Cannes Film Festival about the lesbians being blue or something, <laughs> uh, the, and, and there was Return to Newcomb High, and Return to Newcomb High was right in with those guys. Oh wow! So uh, fuck these uh, schedule these festivals it's all fixed yeah the whole system is fixed absolutely which uh, leads me to net neutrality again yeah, oh, that's, sure. the only, yeah. <laughs> that's the only way around it it's the only way you and i will survive absolutely i i totally agree with you hey um before i let you go where i just had a quick question where do you see the future of independent filmmaking and by extension uh trauma heading i uh i actually got a chance to sit through one of your uh panels at a convention a couple years ago and you had mentioned something about you know, everybody has uh, HD cameras in their pockets. Everyone should be making independent film. Where do you see, you know, in the next couple of years with uh, digital over um, traditional home media and uh, just where do you see that all kind of heading towards? I think that it's heading toward the, uh, the getting rid of net neutrality, which is going to uh, severely limit the number of new YouTube stars. You know, these YouTube yeah. stars like the angry video game war. Uh, uh, um, the angry video game uh, nerd, uh, you know, they get millions of millions of people uh, watching them. Uh, the uh, princess versus uh, rap battles, uh, millions of people are entertained by those, and they wouldn't exist were it not for net neutrality on the internet. And they're uh, they're taking away uh, millions of eyeballs from uh, Suicide Squad and the other shit that the mainstream's shoving down our throats. So so, but that's where it's going. They're going to win. But luckily, um, we can be artists. We can make movies for $5,000 now. We can be a nurse, do something good for mankind, and um, and make movies on the side. That doesn't mean we're going to make money. It doesn't mean we're going to get a cocaine uh, lines of cocaine or hookers or Hollywood mansions or get to hang out with, uh, with the uh, pigs who uh, run the industry. Um, you know, there won't be any glamour, but we can be artists thanks to, uh, again, thanks to net neutrality and and the digital revolution. The making of cinema, the making of the moving image has been democratized. Even short form is back big time. And and uh, um, but uh, when net neutrality goes away, uh, we're probably going to lose a lot of our YouTube stars unless they can pay. See, what what they're going to do is the the elite want to create a super highway for them only that they can afford, that the rich people can afford. Mm -hmm. So the people who are making a lot of money, like Netflix, who got in, uh, uh, you know, they wouldn't be around without net neutrality. Um, They're going to close the gate behind them. 
they're already wobbly on supporting uh, net neutrality. Um, and, and as a result, there won't be new net we won't know about the new YouTube stars. There'll be no way to know about them. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll all be on the bumpy dirt road. Um, the Troma Entertainment, right now, we've given away all our library to our fans. Troma Movies on YouTube. Troma Movies on YouTube. You can see 400 movies plus shorts, plus my Make Your Own Damn Movie lessons from my books that are, that are transformed to video. Uh, all this stuff is there for free, uh, but if it's going to be difficult and slow and throttled if the majors have their own uh, fast uh, road and we are um, uh, we all are on the you and uh, trauma are on the dirt road that uh, is slow and takes a long time to buffer and that uh, that uh, comcast and the other isps are able to throttle and they're already doing it verizon has been caught already throttling uh, throttling um, uh, independent stuff it's all public knowledge has been talking about this for a long time mm-hmm. and um if you go to public knowledge and and trauma i've written for uh, huffington a lot about uh, huffington post if you look me up on huffington i've written a number of essays and videos about net neutrality mm-hmm. so it's a it's an issue that is the most important issue regarding the first amendment uh, independent art and innovation uh, so many in, so many inventions have been created by uh, Kickstarter and Indiegogo, et cetera. Even the grasshopper vape, which has revolutionized the uh, the vape uh, world uh, as uh, uh, thanks to Kickstarter. And it would never have happened without uh, Kickstarter and net neutrality. There was a need for the vape. Uh, Kickstarter uh, presented it and the public found it. Without net neutrality, innovation will never happen. I, you know... Without, without, mm. without being... Uh, taken over by uh, a giant devil-worshipping conglomerate. Uh, in other words, the independent won't have the resources to get his invention, his genius, to the marketplace. He'll have to go through uh, one of the great uh, giants, uh, Netflix or some other uh, giant, uh, you know, General Motors or whatever. You know, you won't be able to just do it on your own thanks to your fans. You won't be able to finance it on your own. Uh, thanks to fans or thanks to people who want it. You'll have to wait for the big company to pay for it because you won't be able to get to the fans. Yeah, and by that point... Or the people people who need your innovation. Yeah. They won't know about it. They won't know about it. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why, that's why net neutrality is so, it's, it's so, it's like the most important thing. I, I totally agree with you with, with all this. I really, really do. Before I let you go, I, I have one really, this is a really dumb question. Like I said, okay, so, and it's probably, I don't know, you might well, have an expert, answer for it. You might I'm not. Expert, I'm expert at that. Okay. I can give you dumb answers. So okay. Perfect. Okay, great. <laughs> well, uh, so um, like I mentioned, I've been a, a fan of Troma's uh, work since I was uh, very young. And my first introduction to your your company was the Toxic Crusaders Saturday morning cartoon, and I've always wondered how, what was the what happened? What was what's the backstory behind taking the Toxic Avenger, which is really, I love the movie, but man, it's not family friendly, <laughs> and and transforming it into a um you know a Saturday morning cartoon about you know uh, protecting the environment. I've always wondered about that. Well, I'll tell you, The Toxic Avenger has been transformed into a delightful mainstream musical mm-hmm. with music by David Bryan from Bon Jovi and, and the Tony Award-winning uh, Joe DiPietro. And together, the two of them created the musical, The Toxic Avenger, which played in New York uh, uh, 
uh, just off Broadway. It was uh, right on, basically a Broadway theater for over a year, won every uh, off-Broadway award, and uh, they won the Tony, the same team, uh, David Bryan from Bon Jovi and Joe DiPietro, won an Oscar for, um, uh, no, no, won the, won the other thing, the Tony for uh, Memphis, uh, the on-Broadway Tony. Mm-hmm. Now their Toxic Avenger musical is uh, about to hit the West End. It played in uh, in in uh, London uh, for several months, but now it's moving to the West End, uh, to the big time. And um, the Toxic Avenger is the only superhero who's had a cartoon, a movie, a um, a, um, a comic book by Marvel, and a Broadway musical. I don't know that any other uh, uh, superhero has had, uh, you know, all the mediums that mm. Toxie has, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, it's interesting. Um, and uh, Toxic Avenger is certainly the only movie where a young boy's head is squashed <laughs> by the wheel of an automobile that was made into a delightful children's uh, environmentally <laughs> correct cartoon show, The Toxic Avenger, Toxic Crusaders. The t- cartoons are great, and you can see them for free along with about 400 of our movies on Troma Movies on YouTube. All the cartoons are there. You can show your kids. And also, we've made some cartoons of our own. We have a lovely, uh, a very Troma Christmas cartoon. uh, Mm -hmm. And um, there's all sorts of magic on Troma Movies on YouTube. And then if you want, by the way, if you want to spend $4.95 and see some truly independent movies, not movies that have been thrown off uh, uh, Amazon or YouTube for so-called moral reasons, but you, you will, I'm a good judge of, of talent, as I mentioned. You'll get to see the future James Gunn's and the future Samuel Jackson's on Troma Now. Troma Now is our streaming service that has only, uh, it has uh, world premiere movies uh, every month and curated movies. And the world premiere movies by the directors of the future are, are terrific. And uh, we curate, I curate some movies to go with the themes of the various months. August, by the way, we're going to be showing Return to Nukemai Volume 1. It'll have its streaming uh, uh, streaming premiere there on Tra- Troma Now. Oh, great. And, um, and then uh, there's about uh, three uh, world premiere movies, uh, uh, including Lynn Lowry and Tiffany Shepis's, uh, uh Model Hunger, which is a wonderful film. Uh, you know, I discovered both of those ladies, and now they're, uh, you know, screen queens and doing very well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a wonderful film, and it's directed by Debbie Rashan. Debbie oh, really? Rashan directed. Who, oh wow! So here are three trauma, trauma independent, uh, non male people who uh, cis identified female people who uh, are starring in uh, Model Hunger. They all got together. It's a trauma family, and that's what trauma is for forty four years. It's a it's a community. It's a family of people who are not afraid to be independent. Not afraid to. Uh, do what they believe in, like you, Sam, like you. Well, well, thank you. And I, and you know, we all, uh, I know I do. And I know, um, everyone I know really appreciates you stay sticking truly independent and, uh, you know, helping out, helping out the little guy as, as much as he possibly can. We, we, you know, we all really appreciate it. So well, thank we're you. making a movie in Indiana, not too far from you, oh, you uh, are. directed by, uh, by, um, uh, Holly Moore, Heidi Moore, Heidi Moore, uh, deadly Dolly. Mm. And it's a musical uh, with a transgender theme to it that I think is going to be terrific. She is a wonderful director. And um, we're also doing one in, in in Portugal this summer to be directed by our special effects guy, uh, whose uh, name is Fernando Ale. He's Portuguese, and the Portuguese government, because we put in money, 
and it's a trauma movie, they're uh, adding 250,000 bucks to the budget. Oh, wow. And that's called Mutant Blast, Mutant Blast. And Fernando made a movie that we distribute called uh, Banana Motherfucker. And it's a hilarious first film. you got to see it. We didn't make it, but we distributed it. And it's, mm-hmm. it's free, I think, on Troma Movies. It's definitely on uh, Troma Now for four ninety nine because it was a world premiere. But I, it may also be free on Troma Movies. I can't, I can't remember it. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out. That sounds that sounds great. <laughs> oh, you'll love banana, motherfucker! You will definitely laugh your banana off. All right, you. sounds good. <laughs> well, Lloyd, thank you again for uh, for taking a, a few minutes out of your time to talk to us. Uh, really, you have no you have no idea how how amazing this has been. I really really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Sam, and uh, Troma Dance. If any of your listeners are in the New York area, Troma Dance uh, occurs this Friday and Saturday. Uh, August 12th and 13th at the People's Improvisational Theater, The Pit, which is in Manhattan, and it's a, a great landmark venue. And uh, you, you can go to traumadance.com to see the lineup of movies, and there'll be uh, music and uh, comedy comedians and, uh, and v- uh, Ventico, the uh, conceptual artist, and will uh, be uh, there showing her amazing uh, costumes and uh, one-of-a-kind uh, Andy Warhol type of uh, beauty. So uh, come to Troma Dance if you're anywhere near Manhattan this weekend, August 12 and 13. All free, all free. All free, wow, okay. Well, yeah, definitely, yeah. I would. If I, if I find myself in the area, I will definitely try to check it out, and hopefully any of our listeners can do the same. Again, Lloyd Kaufman, thank you very much for chatting with us today, and, uh, you know, good luck making more movies. Good luck with uh, Return to, Return to uh, Newcomb High. Well, thanks to all our fans in Ohio, and um, keep uh, keep uh, supporting independent art and uh, Shakespeare. So that was it, and it was great. I can't believe we had an interview with Lloyd Kaufman. I can't believe it. It was so awesome. I was so stoked. I was nervous the entire time, if you couldn't tell. Holy cow. I wish cow. I could have been there for it if I didn't have to freaking work. But... Yeah. <laughs> Man, he... Had a lot of information. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I loved it. So uh, so again, thank you all for listening. That's that's our show. That's it. You can find us each and every week over at nerdoverload.com. You can also find us at Facebook at facebook.com forward slash nerdoverloadradio. You can email us at staff at nerdoverload.com. You can also tweet at us at nerd underscore overload. And subscribe to our YouTube channel, Nerd Overload TV. Subscribe to our Twitch channel, Nerd Overload Live. We got all kinds of stuff you all, should check out. All kinds of stuff. And that's right. We're also on iTunes and Stitcher, so check us out over there if you'd like. And again, thank you all for tuning in, and we will be back next week. Peace out. <laughs> <laughs>